0: what's going on yo welcome back to conspiracy fears and mysteries and gotta give a disclaimer you know i got to i hate giving trigger warnings but nowadays and i hate the word trigger warning but you have to give a trigger warning people need trigger warnings nowadays because if not they'll pass out um but you know this is conspiracy fears and mysteries i know the word true crime is not Uh, implied in the title, which I'm trying to to find a way to fix that and put it into the title. But it is a podcast that talks about, a lot of it is true crimes. And I actually talk more about true crime than anything, than any other type of conspiracy or aliens or anything like that, or anything paranormal. Uh, That's just because that's just what's been requested by people that's what people want to hear so i give them what they want to hear and you know i enjoy investigating too, true crime and talking about it but there with that being said there are things that may be uh not suitable definitely for kids to be listening to but i take it if you're listening to a podcast um especially a true crime podcast that you're old enough and you're old enough to take personal responsibility on your triggers and know that okay this may this automatically may have something that will be maybe gory, maybe troubling and and I and I'm not trying to downplay you if you pass out when you hear a word. Cause maybe you've had a trauma, maybe you've experienced something that does actually, you know, that may affect you. But I'm just saying if you think that just don't listen to it. Because, you know, that's the way it goes. But anyway, guys, you know, I I am a veteran, man. I'm not gonna be nice. I'm not gonna be too nice about it. I'm gonna be a little bit nice, but not too nice about it, man. We gotta be realistic. Uh so anyway, today we're gonna talk about Ashley Coulter. Ashley Coulter, the murder of Ashley Coulter, the death of Ashley Coulter, because this particular case, I saw it, uh, I first saw it in um it was in Confessions of a of a killer, I think I, I can't remember the name of the of the the show, but it's on Hulu as well as true crime shows I watch it's called Confessions uh, I think it's Confessions of a killer and the show revolves around not exactly it does it does showcase the the actual case and the investigation, but what it's centered on is the interrogation and the confession of the actual perpetrators or the people involved in the uh, actual murder or death or whatever the case may be. So, I found it intriguing and I got this case and um I found a couple of things online about it but not too much but this is what I got from it. I took notes as I watched the show to be able to talk about it and then I went and looked up some other stuff on this case just to see what uh, else I could dig up. But the my notes pretty much that that I took from the show pretty much cover everything of it, so let's talk about this case Ashley Coulter so on Monday, January nineteen two thousand and four renee calls Renee Coulter calls her daughter Ashley Coulter um she calls her and she receives no answer. she's calling her. Couple of hours now, Ashley and Renee were very close. There was one of these families where you know the daughter and the mom are just really close, so she's calling her, she's calling her, she doesn't receive an answer. Um, and she's thinking, Well, maybe Ashley's mad at me because of you know they had this conversation. You know how families have sometimes you have a conversation where you get mad at that family member, and you, you know, you're just like, ah, I'm not gonna talk to them for, for the rest of the day or whatever, and then you talk to them again. But they were really close, uh, especially since Ashley did have Ashley had an accident when she was in high school. Ashley was not too old; she was still in her early twenties, and she had had an accident when she was in high school—a car accident, which was a real big accident—and she had to have some kind of brain surgery, uh, head surgery. And that surgery, the accident, had caused her to some developmental problems as far as you know her brain. it, it actually brought her back a couple of years. People said she acted a little bit. You know, a little childish, more childish, like not you know, not of her fault. It was the accident, the the hit to the head and all that, and the you know, the 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 surgery and everything. And it can be very traumatic when you have a surgery in your brain and you, you don't you don't know what can happen, you don't know how the brain's gonna react or what's what's it gonna do to you. In her case, it just brought her back a little bit. It didn't bring her to the point where she couldn't function on her own, but it did bring her to the point where, you know, she may have needed more help than normal for especially for her age. So they had that conversation, um, you know, She and they had spoke about Ashley's pregnancy. Ashley was pregnant. That's very big in this story. Ashley was pregnant. They spoke about it. And they may have had some kind of disagreement. And her mom thought, well, maybe that's not why she answered. Well, after a day or two, I would say maybe two days, three days of not answering, her mom got concerned. Her mom was like, well, yeah, okay, she's mad, but she's going to pick up eventually. I mean, so... Ashley, um, oh, and just uh, obviously she's calling Ashley's house. Ashley hadn't moved out after recovering from the accident, which probably was not the best idea. So Ashley's mom, Renee, goes over to where Ashley lives, her apartment complex or where she's renting. And um, she's knocking on the door. She goes to contact. She's knocking on her door. She's looking in the windows. She doesn't see it. She's like, what the heck? She's not answering the door. What's going on? So she asked the maintenance guy. She said, hey, uh, you know, I'm trying to get into my daughter's apartment. I'm, you know, Renee Coulter. I'm trying to get into my daughter, Ashley Coulter's apartment. I can't get in. She's not answering. I've been calling her. Can you please let me in? Well, uh, the the maintenance guy complies, like, okay, I guess he knew her because I don't know if any maintenance guy in their right mind or true maintenance, somebody who's like got any sense of security is not just gonna let anybody in, even if I don't care if you say Hey, my daughter lives there. Whatever, I need proof. I'm not just gonna let you in, especially you know, especially if you're a guy. If you're, I mean, this was in, This was her. This was a woman, obviously. But me personally, if, let's say I was a maintenance man, and that's just my security mindset. Um, I worked security and I worked in law enforcement and I was in the military, so my security mindset tells me no. Most common sense people will not let her in, or if it's a, especially if it's a guy. Say, hey, I'm her. Whatever. I'm this guy. I need to be letting no, no. Mm-mm. But he must have known her. He must have felt confidence, or whatever the case may be. He let her into the apartment. So she goes in, and she walks in, and immediately when she walks in, she walks like straight through the door. And it's a kind of, I guess, an open kind of a. She, when, when you first walk in, you walk right into the living room, and then she walked a couple feet, looks over to the right and she immediately noticed like it was instant she knew her daughter was dead so she goes into shock obviously mom walks in sees their child dead and she comes back out and she's frantic she doesn't know what to do you know she's um she's just in shock so she gets uh, actually somebody out there this guy to hey can you please call the police she couldn't remember her addresses anything she's in shock so the police get there, detectives get there and everything. Now, when they first walk in, they immediately get that overwhelming uh, smell that you just can't look over, that you just can't pass up. And that is the smell of decomposition. Now, the mother, that's probably one of the things. I'm going to tell you this. The mother... They didn't mention the mom smelled that because I don't think it needs to be mentioned. But what I, I think what happens is the mother having that connection with the victim being the mother and that that connection of love and everything, you know, that um, goes into a, her mind and her, like, just her mind goes, her body goes into a self-preservation mode of shock. It her, the, the mind does not want to be shocked, does not want to be, it, it goes into self-preservation, okay? So it kind of that smell was already there when the mom walked in, but it kind of like you could say almost like it blocks it. Like, no, we're not going to go into shock immediately just because we smell that. Let's go ahead and block this and continue until we see something more confirmation. Well, when she saw it, that was too much. That was like, okay, that's it. It is. It is what it is. And she got went into shock. That's why I, I cause I was thinking, how come the mother didn't smell that? But, you know, she's the the police immediately when they walked in, they smelled it. Now the way the body was found was with a pillowcase over the head, with a nylon cord tied around the neck, and like it was one of those bedposts with the poles. And her bedpost, I guess her bed was not like was not like on the wall, so the bedpost wasn't on the wall. It was like you had space to be behind it. So the the there was a pillowcase over her head and a she and a rope around the pillowcase. Some crazy looking stuff. And police also found a letter stating this this and I'm not gonna read it verbatim what the letter said, but it said it stated, I don't want to bring a child up on my own. I wish I could do things over again and I could be happy. Now, detectives told mom about this note. They obviously say, look, there's a note. There's is what seems to be a suicide note. And this looks like an apparent suicide. It, it, the, the way it looked, if you see pictures or if you watch the show or if you research this, it it, it could seem... For the untrained eye, like almost all of us who don't do crime, you know, who don't investigate homicides for a living, it could seem like it is a suicide. But the mom, being the mom, and she knows the victim, she knows her discipline, she knows uh, her mannerism, how she acts, she knows her daughter, that's the mom. She denies this. She says, no, there's no way that it could be suicide. No way. So the cops are like, well, you know, yeah, the mom's in shock, blah, blah. So there's this back and forth, whatever. The mom says, no, it's not a suicide. Cops say it is a suicide. So the, the body goes to the medical examiner so that the medical examiner can conduct his or her test and start the testing. Um, while that is happening, the police are still in an ongoing investigation just to kind of close this case, they contact the father of the child or the, the the her her boyfriend. Now, when they called the boyfriend, the boyfriend was very distraught. The boyfriend was immediately like, What the hell? Like, what are you like, he was in shock. What are you telling me? Oh my God, I didn't know. Well, what well, what? You know? Um and immediately when these things happen, you, especially with a woman that's pregnant, you immediately go to the spouse. If it's a man that dies, you immediately go to the, the woman. If it's a woman that dies, you immediately go to the man or vice versa or whatever the case may be. You go to the significant other. So, you know, because that's you always want to go there first because that would be an, the easiest, uh, you know, route out. But he had an airtight alibi. He was a construction worker, and he was working out of state. He was in another state when all this was happening. He'd been out of state for a a while, you know? So um, at this point, everything seemed to lead like it was suicide. There were no witnesses. There was nobody that said, oh, this, and she went this, and then whatever. Ashley did take lots of meds, and they were psychedelic meds because of her um you know her, her her accident and her brain trauma she had to take a lot of psychedelic meds which um a lot of the uh the, the the side effects for these meds it stated some of the side effects could lead to suicide you know and that's crazy to me i take some psychedelic meds from the va and stuff like that i guess you call them psychedelic for mood and stuff so, and uh the 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 side effects do state some crazy stuff i mean And unfortunately, you know, we make jokes of it, man. But you know, that's medicine. You know, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you're rolling the dice. So, um, we move on. We get a call from the coroner. They get a call from the coroner. The police get a call from the coroner about the findings. About maybe like I don't know, a few days. I don't know how long it takes, but maybe like a few days later, a week or so. So, And the coroner deemed the death suicide by asphyxiation so they police went and told the mom hey this is what the coroner said the mom stated that you know her daughter was a happy person her daughter her mom knows her you know nobody knows nobody knows that child more than the parent you know the parent that raised them especially the mother let's be honest you know Fathers, we, we know our kids, we know our kids, but there's a connection with mom that the child cannot have with anything in the world, okay? The mother knows the kid, the mother knows this child, all right? Um, she stayed, her, her mom said, look, she was pregnant, she was happy about the pregnancy, you know, we were going to do this together, this made no sense, you know, that she would kill herself, you know uh and a lot of other things didn't make sense you know what i mean like uh her her mom said when she walked in the tv wasn't on and she always has the tv on the ceiling fan was not on and she always uh leaves that on also and th- there was a key missing from the keychain you know so there was it's just little things that Regular people, even the police, may overlook because they don't really know the victim like that. But the mother does. These little inconsistencies can add up to something big. You know, it's like, wait a minute, it had no. This doesn't make sense. You know. Now, uh, Renee insisted. Renee, the the mother, mom insisted. Hey, look, this is this is this is not a suicide. You guys have to look into this into this. But detectives, they were convinced that. It was a suicide. Now, it was two detectives on this. So mom, she unfortunately, and this happens, I've seen this happen often in some cases, a lot of cases, where the family has to take the investigation kind of on their own. So the mom, one of the things that the mom did to kind of just keep like the investigation or to, you know, just to keep things going, was she forwarded all of Ashley's calls from her cell phone to her own cell phone. So all of Ashley's phones from her cell phone would get forwarded every time somebody called, forwarded to mom's cell phone so she would pick it up. So uh, fast forward a few weeks, and mom gets a phone call from Ashley's cell. And the guy that calls, it's a guy. He says, it's Dan Leach, Ashley's friend. Now, mom knew him, okay? Uh, He was a very polite guy. Ashley and Dan had dated until Ashley's accident. Um, you know, and then um, they didn't—they weren't dating after the accident. You know, he—he he had left, uh, not because of anything. Hey, uh, he because he joined the military. So now Dan visited Ashley in the hospital. Um, he was her boyfriend during high school. He visited her in the hospital after uh, when Ashley saw him, she cried. You know, her mom was like, no, it's okay. Dan's here to help. He was a very nice guy, according to mom. He was one of those yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Church, heavy, heavy, heavy church person. Family of heavy, heavy in the church. Uh, After the accident now, okay? After the accident, uh, Dan leaves, goes to the Air Force. Ashley moves out by herself. And mom is worried that the... Mom is worried about that because it's like, okay, you're moving out by yourself. You just had this accident. You You just recovered. But uh, you know, the accident um had her, like I said in the beginning, feeling a certain way or acting a certain way. So her mom was like, No, you shouldn't move out by yourself, you know what I mean? Uh she she became she became, you know, part of the what happened in her mind and her brain after the accident was she became very trustworthy, like a child of everyone, just real nice, you know. Uh, she was a nice person, but I mean, she became extra tricksworthy, like too much, you know. Like she didn't, she didn't have caution that 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 response, that that caution, that fight or flight or nothing like that. So later, um, you know, so that that's one of the things that that bothered mom when she moved. You know what I mean, and and also you know th- this guy called her Dan. I don't know which was nothing yet because. You know, he was a trustworthy... She was like, oh, he's just called. That's a friend of hers, right? I know him. I've known him since, you know, they were dating. He was a kid, whatever. She didn't pay any mind to that. So fast forward later on that year. A man walks into the police station and stated that he has information about Ashley's death. He walks into the police station on his own, says, I have information about Ashley's Ashley's death, and he leaves. They can't arrest him. He didn't do anything wrong. Nothing. So the police are baffled. The police are like, what the hell? What, what What just happened? So this reopens the investigation. This reopens her case. Two days later, after the guy walks out, he walks back into the police station with his family and his pastor. And then that's when he drops a bombshell on the police officers, on the Detectives. He says, I want to confess to the murder of Ashley Coulter. So at this point, detectives were thrown back like, wait a minute. Whoa, ho, ho, whoa, 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 uh, yo-ho-ho ho, and a bottle of rum. Now, you got to understand something, man, because to reopen the case, they need detailed information about the murder from this guy. They need detailed information. Uh, because some people, what, what happens a lot is, this isn't normal, but some people do try to confess to protect loved ones or, or another person. They'll try to confess to, you know, oh, no, 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 they didn't do it, whatever, I did it. You, you see that a lot with loved ones. A wife tries to confess for her husband, husband tries to confess for wife, kids or whatever, and vice versa. Um, you'll see that a lot. So, you, the, you know, they can't go over the confession alone. They need evidence because if not, he can, that person can recant that confession and he could possibly get away with murder. You know what I mean? Uh, so, detectives have to be very, very careful. Very careful. Now, quick background on, the, on this Dan Leach guy. Dan served in the Air Force. And he had no criminal record. So they looked it up. They're like, okay, Air Force guy, no criminal record. Dan and Ashley dated. Um, Dan left the military in 2003. Ashley was... Uh, Ashley, uh, when he he left the military in 2003, when Ashley found out that he was back home, because he went back home, she went looking for him. Six weeks after they got back later um since they met up again six weeks after they met up again ashley calls him and says that she's pregnant. So he's like what? Now this is they showed all this on the internet. They showed all this on the unit on the on the confession tape the interview the confession video and He says, they asked him, well, if you killed her, why did you kill her? He says, Dan said that he was embarrassed by Ashley because due to her accident, she wouldn't be able to reach the level of maturity of a, you know, of the woman he wanted to be with. What an asshole. That's some, that's some real dickhead shit. I that that, man, I would, you know. Yo, all this going on is probably not a good time to say, but if I was that cop, man, I would reach over and just, and I can't say that. I'm saying that because of anger, out of anger. I am obviously can't do that, you know, but, man, it just wants you. It, it just makes you want to reach over and just beat the hell out of him. Like, yo, you need to be thrown into a into a burning volcano after you get skinned, God forgive me, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, so, when she told him that, He stated that he came up with a plan, with a plan to get rid of her. Now, what he did was he convinced her to write a note. She wrote a note. He wrote, he said, look, we got to be able to trust each other. I want you to write anything that scares you on this note. Pretty it was pretty clever because on the note when they did the forensics on it, it was her handwriting, it was her fingerprints on it, her everything. He didn't even touch the note. She touched it. So it looked like she wrote it. You know, and she it it didn't look like she wrote it, um, in distress. It looked like she just wrote it. She was still trusting him at, at this point. So he convinced her to write this note, the note that they found. Right? Which was a total manipulation of a vulnerable human being. Total manipulation. I mean that alone, I don't know what the charge would, but man that was total manipulation right so this is how it happens this is what he says he arrived at 11pm on January 15th. he started talking to her about life about their life about the, her being pregnant and everything around 2.30am around that time is, uh, is when he said he got his plan going because Ashley was very trusting, especially of him. He was supposed to be a father of his child. That was like, maybe that was her first love. I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's what he started with Teller. that. That's the time he started. He got his plan going. So now, but this is after hours of interviewing this guy. He's, he's telling him all this. And I'm briefing what he said. He got his plan going. And... Um, Police called her mother and told her, hey, look, we got a guy here named Dan Leach. And he's confessing to the murder of your daughter. Mom hears this. Her heart drops, obviously. I mean, she spoke to the guy. She knows this kid. She knows the family. She rushes to the police station. She was livid. Um... And it was, and it was, and it was, it was crazy. She she told the she told the cops. She said, "You better not mess this up." She was mad. She she's like, "If you mess this up, Mom said, I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna kill Dan." <laughs> now you know, that's you know, we can't we can't, man. I'm not gonna sit here and say, "Oh, she shouldn't have said that." Probably shouldn't have said that, but man, look, I'm not even gonna sit in between her feelings of losing her daughter and that anger. So, hey, it is what it is, you know? She she didn't kill anybody, so but she was angry. And you and we all need to understand that. Um, not that I'm excusing anything, but she was angry, you know. Dan, uh now let's go back to Dan's uh little scenario that he's telling. So Dan tells the cops that he had asked Ashley to try an exercise, a trust exercise. That's when I, like I said, he made her fill that, uh, put, put her thoughts on paper, which was the suicide note, her fears, so that they can trust each other more. He said he would write one too. He he wrote one too, but obviously his wasn't found. He probably threw it out. He used the excuse of the exercise to get her to. Laced a pillowcase on her face. He told her, look, you put this pillowcase on your face, right? And we're going to try this exercise of trust. Now, he needed the pillowcase so that she wouldn't see what he was doing, which was getting the rope. Now, he told the police that. Now, that information was never put out. The information of the pillowcase and everything was, and the size of the rope was never pulled out. He described the rope color and the length. And exactly right, and that was never put out to the public. Um. Now at this point, detectives were thinking, "Oh man, he made her commit suicide, right? He made her commit suicide," and they were like, "No," and he he said, "Well, no, that's not exactly what happened." So detectives baffled at this point, like, "Okay, so what happened? So walk us through, show us exactly what happened." So they made him walk it. They made him walk through what happened. So the way he described it was that he laid her down on the bed, right? And the way he described the way he laid her, only the killer would know. Right? He laid her down and then he started, you know, he started to put the pillow case over her head. And then he got the rope and he tied it around her neck. Now, you need to imagine he used leverage. He put his foot... Like, you know when you're trying to pull something? You ever watch those old cartoons when they try to open a doorknob and they, and, and they press their feet against the wall and try pulling on the doorknob just to get more strength? That's, this is how this guy did it. This is how he described it. Um, Ashley, at one point, realized that things were wrong and she tried fighting. She tried getting the rope or She panicked, but it was too late. When he was telling his story of how he killed her, he never flinched or showed any emotion. By now, the I mean, and you got to understand, by now the cops believe this guy is the killer. This guy is the killer. But, and it's crazy because police, he tells the, he confesses the story. And just by the way he said it, the police believe this is not the, this is probably not his first kill the way he did it unemotional. the way he told the story unemotionless nothing they, they were like this guy this is not the first time that this guy has killed somebody i think emotionally i had to disassociate myself from her i had to sociopathically think of her as an object um my heart from the, the action. And- um, and, you know, there was an eerie pic of all of them, of him, Ashley, the mom, dad, and Ashley's Ashley and her sibling in the hospital, they, you know, that they took all together. A crazy pic that, wow, the guy in the picture is her killer. Um... And so he confessed, he tells all this, and police... Now, police are curious why, if you got away with this murder, because he would have got away with it. If he didn't come in, he would have got away, because it's not like the phone call that he did to mom, you know, made her like, oh, wait a minute. You know, maybe he did... You know, that didn't stir up anything, because the mom still didn't think it was him. She didn't... he's, He's probably the last one she would think. He said... He said that it was the church and God. He said he didn't want, he wanted God's forgiveness and yada, yada, yada. You know, a lot of people try to use that as an excuse, but detectives don't believe that that is the whole truth. They believe that he did it for pleasure. They believe that he gets pleasure out of this, out of seeing people suffer, out of seeing her suffer. Well, upon further investigation, it turns out that while in Florida, he was in another relationship. He was stationed in Florida. I live in Florida. And uh, he just became Florida man. And he was in another relationship. The police called his old commander. And they asked him, hey, uh, you know, they started asking questions about him. Well, it turns out that Dan was dishonorably discharged. Because he had crawled into the window of his then girlfriend, who they were breaking up. He was all destroyed about the breakup. So he crawls into her window. And I guess, I think he got into his underwear and he just stood over her while she slept. She woke up, got startled, saw him. Um, he, He didn't kill her. But, you know, that was enough for the Air Force to be like, hey, yeah, nah, this guy, nah, we don't want no part of this. So they give him a dishonorable discharge. That's the time he went back home. That's the time uh, a few months before uh Ashley's death when she found out he was back home and then they got back together and had the thing uh so if this guy wouldn't police were saying if this guy would have not been caught, he would have done this again. He would have done it because they feel that he got pleasure off of killing he got pleasure off the asphyxiation he got pleasure off of everything he did to this girl now the judge uh gave him 75 years with parole after 35 years and mom said if I have a breath left in my body I'm gonna be at that parole hearing after 35 years you'll get parole now the guy Still in his twenties, so thirty-five years, he's still gonna be, you know, young enough. And I don't know. Look, you guys, a lot of people can be oh, he'll be, you know, rehabilitated. I have worked for corrections. I don't know why they call it corrections. I don't think anything gets corrected in there. Some people do. Some some people realize things they did, and they get out, and you know. They're, they're uh I don't know whatever, but I've known stories I I I haven't done this other story that I'm about to tell you, but this story uh this guy, he was locked up, went to um he went to prison, came out became a uh pastor so now he's a pastor or whatever, he was in prison for some crazy stuff for years he came out became a pastor he was this there and a the third he he also worked as a maintenance man. And he ended up killing this woman and her two kids. He beat the hell out the kids with a weight. He raped the woman. Then he beat her with the weight also, and he drowned her too. like uh, you know, and the husband came home was like, "What his whole family slaughtered?" And this guy was the painter in the house. And guess what? Um, when he went to when he went to court, uh the jury, who was predominantly all church-going people. He, was, he mentioned, oh, God, and God found me, and God this and God that. They thought that was very compelling. They let him go. He was acquitted of the murders. They didn't charge him, even though all the evidence was there that he did it. And then they they let him go. Um, A few years later, the detective who was on the case received a call. He murdered these people in Colorado. He moved back to New York. They got a call that, Either he was thrown off a 10-story building or he fell off a, st- a 10-story building. And the detective said, look, I'm not going to sit here and say I felt bad. You know? So he was... But things happen like this. You know, the mind state of people, you never know. You can't trust anyone. Don't think one person's better than the other. Then, now nah, you can't, like, um, you know, you can't be paranoid all your life. But at the same time, you can't just trust everybody. Like today... Uh, we had um, some guys come around. They, we saw some guys that were putting fence, this uh, small little personally-owned company, my Pa shop. They were in the neighborhood. So my wife's like, hey, can you guys come do an estimate in our house? They came to the house. My family's there. But you better believe that I had the gun on me. It was four men. If they ever decided to do something, you know what I mean? uh and you know I didn't have any type of way to protect myself I would probably there's nothing I could do you know they had tools in their hands um you know uh I'm not saying they're bad guys they were really they were really nice guys, but they were big guys you know you know the like the the smallest guy on there you know i'm i I'm two fifty the smallest guy on there was like uh probably maybe one eighty. You know, all the other guys were two hundred plus. You are talking about three guys? You know, what I am saying they gonna overpower me. Regardless, I don't give a fuck if I am two fifty, two forty. You know, but if I, you know, and I, I, and I, that's just me. You just gotta be careful. You know, um, I didn't let them look in the house too much. I closes. I, even know, that's me being a little, I guess, to some people's extra paranoid. And I hate people that say, "Oh, that that kind, that type of stuff doesn't happen here." All right. All right. But yeah, guys, that's it for today, man. That's it for today. Tragic, tragic, tragic. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow my YouTube channel, Rafi Reviews, where I do reviews on different things, electronic stuff and all that. And follow me on social media, Twitter, at Rafi underscore tweets, number one, without the number sign. Rafi underscore tweets, one. And Instagram, Rafi underscore grams, Rafi underscore grams. And right here on Conspiracy Fears and Mysteries podcast on Anchor and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the rest of on the- like nine platforms. I upload to Anchor, but Anchor puts it on different plat- uh, platforms. So you can find me pretty much anywhere. And if you want to donate to the podcast, so I could, up equipment and keep this thing going. We can keep talking about all the stuff you like, or if you just want to leave a message in the podcast, you can go to the link that is on this podcast through Anchor. Go to the link on Anchor. On Anchor, you can leave messages, you can leave replies, and I will put it on the podcast. All right. So as always, I will see y'all. Where will I see y'all man, on the next? Smoke.